Well, thank you so much, Pastor Paul, and good morning, everybody. Need a little more energy in here. Good morning, everyone. I know it was a little rough night last night with the storm. Don't know if you have power or not, but I'm glad that you know, you're here this morning in God's house. Thankfully, we're warm in here. And to everybody watching online, thankful that we have that ability as well, that we can watch online and be part of the service, whether, you, again, you've lost power or not. Today is Palm Sunday. Happy Palm Sunday, everybody. Look at your neighbor and say, happy Palm Sunday. That's right. Need a little energy in here. Palm Sunday is the day that we celebrate Jesus entering Jerusalem, which begins what we call now the Passion Week. It's one week from Palm Sunday that we get to Easter Sunday morning. So for us, hey, Easter's next week. Great day to invite someone to church or a family member. People who are normally not into going to church may come on Easter Sunday. That's wonderful. And so in scriptures, we read about Jesus entering Jerusalem. This is the culmination of his mission. This is everything coming together. This is the climax of the story, and it begins with Palm Sunday as he's walking in. And it's all about how Jesus is king and worthy of worship. Jesus is king and worthy of worship. That's what Palm Sunday is about. And so let's read the passage as Jesus enters in. The day that Jesus did this, he fulfilled scripture. He's riding a a donkey or a colt, what your translation may say. And it goes on, it says, as he rode along, the crowds spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. And when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, If they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Palm Sunday is all about how Jesus is king and he's worthy of worship. And of course, I've got to share this. For everyone who was on that Israel trip, we actually got to walk on this road. It's called the Palm Sunday Road. You can walk exactly the footsteps of Jesus as he entered in Jerusalem on this very special day. And so this is uh, the pictures I've got up front here. This is a picture standing on the Mount of Olives, looking out towards Jerusalem. And you can probably see in the distance the Dome of the Rock. That Today, that's the Dome of the Rock. That's where the temple structure would have stood. And that gigantic platform that's called the Temple Mount, that was there during Jesus' time. And so this would have been the view when Jesus was walking into Jerusalem. We've got a great uh, group of, good-looking group of people right there. Just young adults snapped a picture real fast at the at Mount of Olives. And you may notice, too, like what else is in the picture? That's a giant graveyard. There's graves all over the Mount of Olives. You know, Palm Sunday is a very special day. The, the Mount of Olives it has a lot of biblical history. There's lots of things that happen in the Old Testament. That day when Jesus rode by, he was fulfilling Scripture, showing that he truly is the Messiah. He's the Messiah that uh, the Scriptures pointed to. But also there's Scripture yet to be fulfilled at the Mount of Olives. And so uh, Scripture talks about the Messiah coming back and, and what's going to happen. And so Jewish tradition suggests that the first people who will be raised from the dead will be those who are buried on the Mount of Olives. So this is actually a graveyard, and it's the most expensive place on earth if you want to to be buried there. So that's that's what that is. And so that's the Jewish side of the Mount of Olives. There's also like a Christian side, and so that's kind of what we're looking at here. That is the Mount of Olives now. We're standing by that temple platform looking back behind us now. And that's it right there. We see the Garden of Gethsemane. 
where Jesus was arrested and where he prayed, not my will, but your will, God. And um, also, too, this is actually, that's a picture of the road right there. That's us walking down the road, and you see the temple platform. So it's pretty cool to be able to go where Jesus himself actually walked. In the context of, of everything that's going on, just over the Mount of Olives is where uh, the village of Bethany was. It meant poor house. V- village of Bethany is where Jesus raised Lazarus to life. Again, so now this is the climax of what the Gospels are talking about. And now he's entering into Jerusalem. This entire site, the Mount of Olives, and what we're talking about today, it points to Jesus' divinity, that he is king, and he's worthy of worship. And that's the theme of Palm Sunday. And so today, the passage we're going to be in, it's Luke chapter 19. And Pastor Jeff read from Luke chapter 19 last week about the life of Zacchaeus. And so I wanted to continue as we read about the triumphal entry. I think it's really interesting what Luke does in chapter 19. And so if you've got a Bible, open it up, turn to Luke 19. And what I hope today is too, as we read this passage and as we kind of pull out the truths that we see in the passage today, I know for many of us, when we approach the Bible We can maybe be a little intimidated or we read it and we feel so divorced from what we're reading. I don't know what this means. I'm not sure what the significance is or what does this mean for me today. And so as we go reading this passage today, we're just going to be in Luke chapter 19. And I hope that some of the way that we kind of approach this in the sermon today, it even helps you in your own Bible reading as you you read the scriptures. And so we're in the gospel of Luke The Gospels are the life of Jesus. If you want to read about Jesus, there's four biographies about him, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So we're in Luke, and this is an outline of the Gospel of Luke. So it's about Jesus' life and ministry, but here we are in chapter 19. Now this is the beginning of the Passion Week. The beginning, it's the climax of everything. Everything's been leading to this point, and now Jesus is going to triumphantly enter into Jerusalem. But here's also why I wanted to stay in Luke 19 today, as Pastor Jeff read about the story of Zacchaeus. So we see the outline of Luke. That's what I just showed you on the screen. And now I'm showing you the outline of Luke chapter 19, just this one chapter by itself. All of the Gospels contain the triumphal entry of Jesus. This is one of the biggest moments in the ministry of Jesus. But Luke is unique in how he adds the story of Zacchaeus as well as how he adds a parable a fake story that Jesus told to teach a lesson. Jesus added a story he wanted to teach a lesson, and Luke inserts it here. He's the only gospel author to do this, and I think there's significance there. And so as we read the triumphal entry, this amazing scene, we just read it, and we'll we'll go back to it. As we read it, this is the context that we're supposed to have in light of, of reading this passage. And so we've already said what the theme of this morning is and what the theme of Palm Sunday is, that Jesus is king and he's worthy of worship. That's the main idea. That's the biggest thing to remember today. He's king, and he's worthy of worship. And now that we know that, as we read this passage, and as we read the context around the passage, it's going to inform uh, some truths about worship. And that's really what our message is this morning, and I hope that it can inform the way you worship. Four truths that we can learn about worship as we read the Palm Sunday story. Four truths about worship. The way we're going to end our service today, we're going to go back into a time of worship. We'll sing together. We'll praise the name of Jesus because he's king. And of course, we've got our worship night later tonight. If you're able to be there, that's what we're going to do today on Palm Sunday. And so four truths that we can learn about worship, four truths that we learn about making Jesus king. Here's the first one. We are to worship humbly. Worship humbly. 
Jesus is king and worthy of worship. And when we read this passage, we read we are to worship humbly. Why we worship matters. Why we worship matters. Again, uh, Luke is unique in adding a story by Jesus right before he enters. He, uh, he's with Zacchaeus, and he says what his mission is. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's the mission of God. And then the very next verse says this. The crowd was listening to everything Jesus said. And because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God was going to begin right away. You've got to imagine if you've been following along with Jesus, he says the kingdom of God is coming. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. And so when Jesus entered Jerusalem in this fantastic scene, everyone in this story had expectations. Again, that's part of how we read the Bible. We're reading Palm Sunday. And so who are the characters that we see in the story? And I've put them on the screen for you, some characters that we can highlight that are going on in the story. Everyone in this story had expectations as Jesus entered triumphantly into Jerusalem. First of all, the disciples. They had been with Jesus. They'd seen him do miracles, walk on water, cast out demons, calm the storm. Anyone that ever encounters Jesus, Jesus just, he overpowers them or beats them or he wins an argument. There's nobody that can touch Jesus. And man, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a disciple of Jesus. He chose me. And so the disciples' attitude as we're going into Jerusalem, yeah, we're going to take over this place. Jesus, he makes us invincible. Jesus gives us the victory. That's right. We're going to take over this place. And that's the disciples' expectation as Palm Sunday is happening, as Jesus is entering Jerusalem. The crowd, they had expectations for Jesus as well. I think their expectations were probably political. Now, they would have recognized the different prophecies that Jesus was fulfilling, him riding on a cult. Jesus is coming not as a conquering military hero, but as a peaceful king. This is a, this is a civil entry into a town to be riding this way. And so they're recognizing, wait, Jesus is fulfilling the Bible. Jesus is really the Messiah. The Hosanna glory to, to uh, the king. All these things that they're saying, they're quoting scripture. So the crowd understands the theological significance But now their expectations are, because of the theological truth that I see about Jesus, that's going to give us political power now. At this point in time, the nation of Israel is occupied by the Roman Empire. And so there's another government that's over them. I mean, those of us in America, we we don't even know what that's like to live in that kind of situation. The Roman Empire was ruling over Israel, and so now this is how they approach Jesus. Yes, This is how we'll gain power in the political system. Jesus, he's for the little guy. Jesus cares for poor people, right? Jesus, he cares. uh, Capitalism, American values, right? That's Jesus. Jesus, he's going to put all the people I disagree with in their place and will have the power and authority. That's the expectations of the crowd. And of course, there's the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And Jesus, he was a threat to them. He was a threat to their power and their influence He was a threat to the way they did their religion. Jesus was challenging them. Hey, your attitude is in the wrong place. You've made up all these rules and you lord it over people. You think spirituality is about being over people and having power over people. You've got to change. And so Jesus made them uncomfortable. 
They didn't want Jesus to have his way. They wanted to silence Jesus' message. Maybe, maybe we even need to stop his followers. We need to destroy his movement. Perhaps we need to kill him. And you know, that's how people can feel today as they hear Jesus or the gospel, the Christian message. And I just also think it's important to point out the Romans. Everyone saw there's crowds of people as Jesus is entering Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is under Roman occupation. And so the Romans perhaps had an agnostic view of Jesus. They viewed Jesus as, okay, well, he's this religious leader. He's a big deal. Obviously, there's a huge following, but he's Jewish. I'm not a Jew. That's not my religion. I don't have a faith in that God. I'm not really sure that this concerns me. But, I mean, if he really is going to try to take over, if he's going to do something, if he's going to cause a rebellion, it does affect me, and I'm going to have to put that down. I may have to lay my life on the line. And so I'm not sure if I've got enough information to make a decision about Jesus. And that could be how we approach Jesus. But when it comes to worship, why we worship matters. Jesus told them a story to adjust their expectations. And we have to allow Christ to constantly adjust our expectations. We don't worship Jesus because we think he makes us invincible or he'll answer our prayers the way we want him to. So that's why we worship. No, we don't worship Jesus because we hope we gain political power or influence. We don't worship Jesus because we're threatened by him and we're afraid we have to appease God. And we don't worship Jesus kind of just in case I don't know if God is real, but if he was, hopefully he'll think I'm okay because I went to church or I read my Bible one time. No, those aren't the reasons that we worship Jesus. In this passage, I, I think we see two reasons why we can, there's a lot of reasons we can worship God, but there's two that I think we see right here in this passage in Palm Sunday. It says that as the crowds were there, they were praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. One of the reasons we worship Jesus is for what he's done, for what he's already done. In this case, it says they were praising God for miracles. If God has done a miracle in our life, we praise him, we worship him. And Pentecostals, we have to remember this, it's not the other way around. Miracles lead to worship. Worship is not meant to lead to miracles. As Pentecostals, we sometimes get a little excited, we get that backwards. Miracles cause us to worship. I love what Mike Powell said, our guest speaker a couple weeks ago. Many of the miracles that he's seen has been in the context of evangelization and in the context of someone knowing, wait a minute, that's who God really is. And so miracles cause us to worship when Christ has done something in your life. At the very least, what has Christ done for you? If you know Jesus, he saved you from your sin. He saved you from death and from hell and from the grave. That's a reason to worship Jesus. You've saved me. If that's the only thing Jesus ever did for us, that's a reason to worship. Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross. That's what we just remembered during communion. Thank you, Jesus. I worship you because of what you've done for me. And man, if he's done a miracle in your life, I've talked to people in our church. I was talking to somebody two weeks ago who experienced a healing in a few different ways. God healed their body. If you've had a miracle, God has healed you in a miraculous way. That leads you to worship Jesus. Somebody say amen. We worship Jesus for what he's done. But here's another reason that we worship Jesus. We also worship him for who he is. Again, look what they say. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. 
peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. And even Jesus says, if no one worships, the stones will cry out. It's the natural response for us to worship God for what he's done, when he's blessed us. Hopefully that's how you feel. You want, thank you, God. When somebody gives you a gift, you say, hey, thank you so much. Maybe you write them a card or you take a picture and you put it on Instagram, oh, whatever. Right? There's different things you do when somebody gives you something. But it's kind of the next level of maturity in our faith to worship God simply for who he is. Regardless of what he's done or what you may be waiting for him to do. Lord, I believe you. I need you to work in my life. But even as I'm waiting, or if it doesn't happen the way I want, we're talking about Jesus adjusting our expectations, I will still worship you, God, because of who you are. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's God. He's the creator of everything. The scripture says that he is the author of life. He's the God of the universe. He's given each and every one of us breath this morning. The reason we've, we've been up today is because God has graciously allowed us to have another day. And so I worship you, not just for what you've done, but Lord, also for who you are. The attributes of God are incomparable. His glory and his majesty, his holiness, he's so far beyond us. How great he is, his goodness, his goodness and his love, his plans are far above our plans. His intelligence, his intellect, his creativity is so much greater, so far beyond us. His ability to make all things work for good. His omnipotence, his being all-powerful. His omniscience, how he knows everything. These are reasons that we worship God. So why do we worship God? We want to worship God humbly. That's what we see in Palm Sunday, the Palm Sunday story. Worship God humbly We worship him for what he is and for who he's done. The second truth that we see from Palm Sunday is that we need to worship with action. Worship with action. And so I showed you the context of Luke. Jesus tells a story to correct their impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. It's not going to happen right now exactly the way you think. And he tells them a story, so I want to read it. Here's the parable that Jesus tells. It's a story with a lesson. And in this story, we see Jesus is talking about himself. He said, a nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. And so we know Jesus. He's talking about himself. Before he left, he called together 10 of his servants and divided among them 10 pounds of silver, saying, invest this for me while I'm gone. But his people hated him, sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want him to be our king. After he was crowned king, he returned and called in the servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. The first servant reported, Master, I invested your money. I made ten times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You're a good servant. You've been faithful with the little I entrusted to you. So you'll be governor of ten cities as your reward. And the next servant reported, Master, I invested your money. And made five times the original amount. Well done, the king said. You'll be governor over five cities. But the third servant brought back only the original amount. And said, Master, I hid your money. I kept it safe. I was afraid because you're a hard man to deal with. Taking what isn't yours, harvesting crops you didn't plant. You wicked servant, the king roared. Your own words will condemn you. 
If you knew I'm a hard man that takes what isn't mine, harvest crops I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have got some interest on it. He told, turns to the other, says, give the money, his money to the one with 10. They said, Master, he already has 10. And he says, yes, the king replied, and to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even what they have will be taken away. What we see here is that we're to worship with action because all of us have a responsibility to God. Everybody in the room has a responsibility to God. Whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, you're watching online today, if you know God or you don't know God, maybe you're not sure where you land on if I'm a Christian or not. All of us, no matter who you are, we have a responsibility to God on how we will use our time, our talents, and our treasures. God has graciously given us time We're here today. (laughs) He's given us breath. He's given us talents and skills, abilities, our jobs, our careers. And he's given us treasures, blessings, relationships, material possessions. And he wants to know, how have you used those things? And so we are to live as stewards or managers because it's all about God's mission. I I wanted the points to be hopefully memorable today, but this would be something else to write down. This is kind of, to me, like the expansion of this point is obedience to God's mission is an essential part of worship. Obedience to God's mission is an essential part of worship. And Jesus, in Luke chapter 19, said his mission, it's to seek and to save the lost. And so if I want to worship Jesus as king, obedience to his mission is essential. But I do want to say, man, thank you, church, and I want to celebrate your missions giving just coming out of March, missions madness, all the, all, all the different things that God has done in our church. I shared last week, if you weren't here, I, I was able to sit in the board meeting and shared, we got a letter from Springfield National Assemblies of God that our church ranked 107 out of 12,800 churches in missions giving. That is just something else. That's incredible, and I want to say thank you for being generous with your missions giving and our, our life groups do service projects. Many have been getting involved with Open Door, the food pantry nearby. I was there a couple weeks ago, and I ran into somebody from church. I was like, hey, they're like, hey, Pastor Matt. I'm like, hey, I didn't even know that you, that you volunteered here. They're like, yeah, I speak Spanish. It's great. I'm like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> like, it was great. And so, man, I want to say thank you for caring about the mission of God. Because obedience to God's mission is a form of worship. We are to worship with action. And so we worship humbly, we worship with action. Here's the third truth we see from Palm Sunday, pulling right out of Luke 19. We are to worship at all times. Worship at all times. No matter the circumstances. We see Jesus says that if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Because of who God is, he deserves to be worshipped. When God has worked in our lives, he's worthy of praise in all circumstances, though. In all circumstances. I think it's interesting that as Jesus was passing along, what does it say? They they put their coats on the ground so that he could that that he would walk along the road. They recognize they're in the presence of the king. That means their coats, you know, their their coats got dirty. I don't even want to take this off and throw it on the ground because it's gonna get dirty, right? I don't want to do that. I have I've got a lot more coats than anyone there in that crowd did. You know, I'm in America, like they're probably a lot more poor in this scene of what's taking place, but they recognized I'm in the presence of the king. And so they they put something down. It was a sacrifice for them. We are to worship God in all circumstances. We're to worship God when things are going great. And we're to worship God when things are not going great. And 
It may be a sacrifice to worship. You, know, you, may, you may find yourself leaning in one or the other. Maybe you're the sort of person that when everything's going great, it's just real easy to praise God. And then as soon as something bad goes, church, God, Jesus, it's the first thing you drop. Or you may find yourself the other end. You know, when things are going good, you kind of forget, you know, that God is really all that important. But when things are bad, suddenly you're back in church and you're praying every day. You know, you may find yourself leaning in one or the other. That's all right. But, but we want to make sure that we worship God in all circumstances. No matter who we are, when things are difficult, when things are worthy of praise, uh, God is always worthy of praise. And I wanted to just use this as an example in my own life. Uh, it's kind of funny because it was about preaching a sermon, but it was two years ago, we did a series, a sermon series in the summer, uh, say that five times fast, sermon series in the summer, <laughs> about emotions, that's what it was called, you may remember it if you were here for that, and the last week was on joy, the emotion, it was about joy, and I was preaching and I was kind of struggling with like if this even like, if this would really impact anyone. That, I, that's how I felt. I'm like, I don't even know if this is going to impact anybody. Sometimes you feel that way. There's a whole mental process when it comes to preaching. And uh, I was struggling a little bit. And um, 2021 was a really difficult year for me and for Rebecca, for our family. There was just a lot of things that were going on for us then. And that weekend was probably one of the hardest weekends of my life, like emotionally, that is. I was really struggling that weekend as we approached this sermon, and uh, I was in the car on Saturday, and I was in tears, and I was looking up to heaven, and I was like, God, this is a cosmic joke that you would have me preach on joy this weekend. I was like, I, I consider myself a pretty joyful person. Like, I usually try to have a smile on my face, but I'm like, th th any week, tomorrow's the day I can't preach about this. And I wanted to call Pastor Jeff and be like, uh, here's my sermon notes, you know, because I'm not doing it. Like, that's, uh, you know, that's how I felt inside. But, you know, I was obedient to God. It was a struggle for me even to really preach that. And I just wanted to say this because it means a lot to me that as I was obedient to God, then... Um, two people in particular, Ed Amorsky and Marianne Vogley, you guys have told me probably on many occasions, hey, remember that sermon you preached on joy, Pastor Matt? That made a huge difference in my life. They told, hey, I remember you said this, and I'm, I'm putting it into practice. Like, both of those people told me so many times that, oh, it impacted my family because something you said in that sermon. And it was just crazy that as I stepped in obedience and as I was obedient to the Lord with the opportunity, even when it was difficult for me, that God was able to use me still. And and so we know Jesus is worthy of worship at all times. He's king and he's worthy of worship. So we worship humbly. We worship with action. We worship at all times. And here's the last one. Worship is the pathway to peace. Worship is the pathway to peace. We just had this crazy storm last night. I don't know what your needs are or what you're going through personally or in your family. But all of us, we could use a little bit more peace. All of us are looking for peace and for rest for our souls. And the truth is, when you worship Jesus as king, that's the pathway to peace. We look in so many other directions. We look for so many other things for peace, but they won't satisfy. I got to share the story of when um, I finally was able to share this with my in-law, so now I can share it on a Sunday morning. <laughs> I told him this a couple weeks ago, so I can tell the story now. 
When Rebecca and I were first married, we did a, a, a family vacation with her family to Puerto Rico. It was a blast. Great vacation. I loved it. I have pictures. Wonderful time. But the first day was, the, was a really hard day for me. We were just married. We were married for like three, four months. We go on vacation, and her entire family was there. I'm talking about like aunts, uncles, cousins. Everyone went. It was like a dream for their family to do this, and I just got to hop in because I just got married. It was great. First time ever on vacation with them. But it's Puerto Rico, so it's really hot. And the whole first day, it rained. It rained the entire day, just nonstop. And we, we rented, you know, we had rental vehicles, but there were more people than can fit in the vans. <laughs> so we're squished. I'm in, like, the back. I'm squished like this. I'm like, oh, is this what it feels like to be a husband now? <laughs> like, like with, you know, with her family? Oh, okay. You know, we're driving all around the island. All of our plans are canceled. We go to this beach. Oh, it's raining. We can't do anything. Go here for lunch. Well, it's outside. We can't eat lunch there. It's raining. Okay. So it's, it's the whole day, and I'm starting to be like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this for a whole week. (laughs) You know, so we're driving around. We're in traffic. We're in traffic. People are backing up off the highway because we're in traffic and it's not moving for hours. People just go to the ramp and back up. I'm like, where am I? And so to top all this off, this this is why I'm sharing this story. We had the GPS on. And the people driving the car were like, you can't trust the GPS. Don't listen to the GPS. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, where, we don't know where we are. It's been raining. It's hot. I can't even open the window. Just listen to the GPS. No, you can't trust the GPS. And so we're ignoring, GPS says go left. Nope, we're going to go straight. GPS turns, says go right. No, we're going to go left. I'm like, why? And so we end up at, at some dead end right by the ocean in some neighborhood in the middle of the night. I'm like, where are we? Because we, we're just ignoring the GPS. And, you know, when it comes to the pathway for peace, that's so often how we live our lives. Jesus is saying he is the pathway to peace, but we pursue it in all these other things. What society tells us is how we'll get peace. Well, you'll have peace if you move up in your career. You'll have peace if you find that person or you find your tribe. That's kind of some of the language right now. Find your tribe, then you'll belong. You'll finally have peace. If you express yourself, if you actualize the feelings you have underneath, whatever you desire, if you make it a reality right now, you'll find peace. But the truth is, none of those things will satisfy. I mean, how much success do you need before you have peace? (laughs) How much more money do you need before you have peace? I'd love to know what the number is, because then I'll try to get that much. How much money do you need? A relationship, people will always let you down. You're always going to have to move on to the next thing. Nothing in this life satisfies except for worshiping Jesus as king. And to share how I came up with this truth from the passage, you see it on the screen there. As Jesus enters Jerusalem, it's this amazing scene, powerful. And then Jesus is weeping, it says, because he looks at Jerusalem. He says, how I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But it's too late. It's been hidden from your eyes. And he goes on to prophesy about how the the uh, city of Jerusalem will be destroyed. And this, by the way, this happened in 70 AD. And so this is one of the reasons we know the Bible was written before 70 AD because of this prophecy that Jesus gives. And he says, they'll leave no stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. Pastor Bonnie and worship team, would you guys come as we begin to close out? Worship is the pathway to peace. There's so many other things that are in front of us that we can place our affection or place our worship towards, but it's Jesus. It's only in Jesus that we'll gain peace. 
And so as we begin to close out the service today, I want to invite you to stand to your feet. We said today's Palm Sunday. Jesus is king and he's worthy of worship. And so we want to close today by singing another song together. And of course, tonight we have our worship night. I hope that this has helped to inform your worship. That we worship humbly. We worship God because of what he's done and because of who he is. As we worship, think of the blessings that God has given you. How he saved you from your sin. Or simply think about how amazing he is. And let that inform your worship this morning. And if you're looking for peace in a certain area of your life, say, Jesus, I realize you're God. I realize you're important. But you're not experiencing peace in a certain area. As we sing together, what would it look like for you to make Jesus king of that area? As we worship Jesus, he's worthy of praise this morning. Would you lead us past your mind?